Let's go to Hamilton. Libby Kirkby McLeod is RNZ reporter based in Waikato. Morena, Libby. Good morning, Catherine. How lovely to have you back on air. Oh, thank you. It hasn't been that long, has it? <laughs> we miss you. Every week without you, we uh, miss you. <laughs> it was a lovely holiday, and I'm truly grateful um, and grateful to everyone who worked through. Now, um, this Hamilton City Council by-election, which of course has come about in quite remarkable circumstances because you um, you had a city councillor end up taking the seat in the central government by-election. You explain. <laughs> yes, well, voting opened just on Friday for a by-election in Hamilton City Council's East Ward. Now, Ryan Hamilton gets very confusing with all the Hamiltons, but Ryan Hamilton held that seat, and he actually won it himself in a by-election. Um, so it's unusual that it was won in a by-election and is now going to be fought again in a by-election. But he has gone off to be a Member of Parliament for the National Party, so we've now got an empty seat in Council. It comes at a time when Hamilton City Council is going to the public with a proposed 25.5% rate rise. The Mayor has said they are facing some of the toughest decisions many elected officials make ever face in their political careers. So whoever gets on board has got a tough road ahead. Many, of course, of the candidates are campaigning, unsurprisingly, on the promise to limit spending, to bring down debt and to not have that 25.5% rate rise. Who are some of the candidates? The 16, that's a good healthy field. It is, isn't it? And they're encouragingly diverse, which I think is really reflective of how multicultural Hamilton has become. A few that caught my eye include Jose Gonzalez. Now, I saw him just today out raving a traffic at a rush hour, raving a sign at rush hour traffic. Now, he's worked in local government as a transport advisor. He says he can bring experience and diversity to the council and a focus on well-managed growth. Another one is Tim McIndoe. Now, he was a local MP until 2020. He says he'll rein in spending, halt unaffordable projects, and says that few ratepayers have requested some of what the council is doing. There have already become rumours that he might be a future mayor if he wins. Meanwhile, another candidate that um, got my interest was Askel Dangerbeck. Now, he's saying to people, don't vote for me. Please don't vote for me. Instead, he's using the election as a platform to discuss the need for more affordable housing in Hamilton. So your impression, uh, local body elections have notoriously low turnouts, and I wonder if by-elections are even worse. How much engagement are you seeing? Well, it's particularly bad here in Hamilton. According to government figures, voter turnout in Hamilton in the last, uh, you know, full country um, local elections was the lowest um, for the whole country. I couldn't find anybody that had a lower turnout. It was certainly the worst for Waikato, and they only had 29%. So you can imagine it's going to be even harder to get people to engage with a by-election, but there's certainly effort going in. I mean, like I said, I saw Jose out today. There's lots of signs up. You can access campaign videos for most candidates, but it is one of these awkward postal votes. It's also one where you rank the candidates. You then have to find a post box, which is becoming harder and harder, isn't it? So all of these are steps that might turn some voters off. So I would say we're in for a low turnout, but it is an important election. If you don't vote, you don't get to moan. There you go. Now, uh, at this you know, sort of interesting point here, this is at a point where Hamilton's population is growing and growing at record rates, Libby. Yes, so the latest economic update, it's the Economic Update and Outlook report from the City Council, came out in December, and I've been having a read through. And it shows that Hamilton City's population for 2022 was at the, grew at the highest rates it has for decades. Now, 
I just acknowledge that, you know, even though it comes out in December, the way that these economic figures go, it hasn't got the full 2023 years results in it. But acknowledging that the numbers for 2023 so far show that Hamilton had the highest percentage increase in population growth of any of our main metropolitan areas. In fact, it was only behind Auckland in the amount of people that moved here. Wow. Uh, where's the where's the growth coming from? All over the place or, or international? Well, a little sadly, it's not from within New Zealand, or rather people are moving here. I shouldn't say they're not. They are moving here, but more people are moving away. So net internal migration, so that's people that move between Hamilton and other parts of New Zealand, it was actually estimated to be minus 150 people, which means we lost um, 150 people than we've gained from other parts of the country. Now, this is quite typical for Hamilton. Hamilton usually sees slight levels of negative internal migration, but that means that most of these migrants are coming from... Overseas. In fact, they think nearly 5,000 new migrants moved to Hamilton last year. Council is doing research to see about this internal migration, where people are moving to and where they're coming from. Interestingly, they think a lot of the outflow is going to neighbouring districts, to Waikato and Waipa, which means those people might still be um, working in Hamilton. It's an easy 20-minute drive from Waipa to Hamilton, um, but just choosing to live somewhere slightly smaller, more rural, um, whereas they think Auckland is the largest contributor of people to Hamilton. They're doing further research to really understand it more. How are you coping with that growth because it brings with it the need for housing, for infrastructure, for transport, for schools? How are things coping? Well, that's the thing, isn't it? Growth brings many good things, but unsurprisingly for New Zealand, it's creating major housing concerns. Now, since 20... Oh, so, so sorry, let's go back even further. Since 2005, Hamilton's population has grown by over 55,000 people, which means roughly, you know, they do these figures, we probably need about a bit over 20,000 more homes. But in that period, we've done only about 19,500 more homes um, have been consented and then whether they're built, of course. So with a few exceptions, it means that we're not keeping up with the number of houses that we need for the number of people moving in. Um, and that just causes problems doesn't it? We've, it causes squeeze, overcrowding, um, excessive rents, all those typical housing problems that we see in any growing area in New Zealand. Very good. Well, that's a, a, a common story. Uh, now, look, this, speaking of stories, this one is extraordinary. And a lot of people around the country want to know how Tom Phillips could be on the run with two children. Uh, three four, children. Three children, excuse me. <laughs> For two years. Uh, it, it, it's just, it's almost unfathomable. Um, and it raises the question of how much help he might be getting or, or, or who knows where he is but doesn't tell. What do we know? What's the latest info from the police in the first instance? Not that they seem to know where he is. Yeah, am I allowed to call this a saga, Catherine? I, I feel like this can, is I, a I saga. I think we can go with saga on this one, <laughs> although there are children involved, you know. It's, a, is, it's an important yes. saga. But carry on. It is very serious. And yes, police last week in their latest announcement said that they believe that Tom Phillips and his three children might are probably still in Western Waikato. In fact, they might even still be in Maricopa, which is the town he went missing from. Um, in 2021. So that's longer than the Ukraine war has been happening. He's been missing. Now, a bit of background. He first disappeared in September of that year, um, and it sparked this extensive search. It gripped the country. Where is Tom and his three children? You know, there was a car found in the beach. What's happened to them? Now, he appeared. He'd just kind of gone bush. But because of that search um, and various other issues, he faced some charges, and he was supposed to appear in court in December of 2021. Well, he didn't show up, and neither he 
he nor his children have been seen since. So that's over two years. Everything kind of, you know, went along for a while. But last year really ramped up. First in August, there was three credible sightings of Phillips in the Waikato area. Then in September, police announced that they believed that back in May he'd robbed, a, um, was part or suspected in robbing a bank in um, Tikawiti. And then in November, they also said they suspected him of a attempted burglary in Poipioi. Oh, Poipioi, sorry. Um, and that maybe one of his children were involved with that. Um, so. You know, it's just sort of bubbling away. He's getting sighted in the area. They think he's around, but they just can't find him. All right. Uh, As we said, people are kind of disbelieving in some ways, but there it is. Um, Now, this is a wonderful story. Hamilton's just hosted a piano festival. What was this, please? Yes, we know the jokes you guys say about us in Hamilton. No, um, no, no culture, no culture. But we've got lots of culture. And in fact, we have the inaugural New Zealand International Piano Festival. Um, it attracted international stars um, to the city and over 40 piano students. Now, when I say piano students, it's not like my 10-year-old who's, you know, chipping away at it at home. These are serious piano students looking on to be professional musicians. Now, they came from China and New Zealand, and they were able to experience masterclasses, performances from some of the best pianists, and also different lectures on theory, that sort of thing, and also just be able to um, meet each other, which is really important. Uh, And are we talking classical music? What are the sort of parameters of it? Yes, yeah, so so the it was very much in that classical piano, um, you know, Bach. You, you know, you can those imagine. guys, Beethoven, <laughs> those you know those guys. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Who were some of the pianists who were here? Oh, well, I did one of those embarrassing things, Catherine, where I sort of went and spoke to someone and said, oh, you know, so so you, do you play? Well, it was only uh, Hong Shu, one of the most accomplished Chinese pianists of his generation. <laughs> so I was very careful after that when I mentioned to people. Now, he was the artistic gener- the artistic director, and his involvement really attracted a lot of the other people at the festival. I talked to Angela um, Chang. Now, she has been called... Canadian, a Canadian national treasure. She's performed as a guest soloist with most of the major orchestras in Canada. And she's attended many musical festivals around the world, but she said this really was a special one. And it was her first time in New Zealand, which is always special. She came with her husband, um, Alvin Cho. Now, he um, also was teaching. He's chair of the Oberlin Conservatory of Music's uh, piano department. Now, Oberlin is the oldest continually operating conservatory in the United States, so quite a um, coup to attract him here. And again, he said that Hong Shu's involvement as artistic director was a really important draw to coming and also to coming to New Zealand. And that's what some of the students I spoke to said. Um, you know, the chance to come to New Zealand is, is always a thrill. So a real success by the sounds of it. Yeah, it definitely was. I spoke to a young New Zealander called Bonnie Wang. She came down from Auckland, so didn't have to travel very far. But she was just thrilled. She talked about how all the teachers that she was meeting were so famous. They were so amazing. She just couldn't believe she could even be in the same room with them. So that's just a fantastic outcome for a local for a local musician, isn't it? Is it an impressive venue? This is the University of Waikato's Gallagher, uh, Gallagher excuse me, Academy of Performing Arts. But is there quite an, 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 an impressive... Um arena there. Yes, there's a there's a 
um, beautiful concert hall, and that's where all of the masterclasses I sat on on the end of a masterclass, which was happening in that concert hall. Um, but it also allowed the students that had come from all over the world to stay together. They stayed on the campus um, where it was being held. So it just enabled that real engagement, cross-cultural engagement. And I spoke to a member of the University of Waikato staff, and he said it was just a great experience for the students to have to be building these international connections. One thing that Hong Shu said is that travel is such a part of being an international musician. You have to travel long distances, you have to show up, and you have to be ready to perform. And so that's what these international festivals provide um, for students. It's not just those masterclasses, but it's also just experience at the real practicalities of living as a traveling musician. Fabulous Libby, thank you as always. Libby Kirkby-McLeod is RNZ's correspondent uh, reporter in Hamilton.